0: Well I'm pleased to say today that I'm joined by Richard E. Grant, one of the stars of Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Richard, what an incredible character Loco Chanel is. What a what a character to play, hey? Eh? Absolutely amazing because he goes from
1: being this downtrodden old has been running a drag shop, stroke, you know, dress for hire shop in uh rundown part of Sheffield, into sort of being reigniting into his former drag persona of Loco Chanel of having been a success in London in Soho in the 1980s, when Jamie knew this 16-year-old boy, comes into his shop one day and says, you know, I want to be a drag queen. So it's it's a great transformation.
0: To, but to, also, also yeah. a complex character. And we see a backstory in the movie that I certainly didn't see in the stage show of Jamie. So talk to me a bit about that.
1: Um, I think there was a very smart idea that uh, Jonathan Butterall and the writers had and the composer, Dan Sells to to have a three minute montage where you see uh Hugo literally going back in time and bearing witness to everything that happened to him having been a success in the Soho clubs in the 80s and then losing his partner to AIDS so you get you get sort of 20 years of somebody's history in a three-minute montage with the songs. And I think it, it anchors where the story is because um, historically, because Jamie knew the character that Max Harwood plays, he's already out. He's not, the movie's not about that struggle. It's, it's about his determination to go to the prom in drag. So in relation to the struggle that, that Hugo has gone through in his generation and age, you know, the Stone War and legalization of of homosexuality in 1967, all the way through the hedonism of the 70s into the 80s when the scourge of uh, AIDS took out generations of people. Uh, I think it gives context to, for the whole movie in that very, very simple way, Um, and also gives Jamie An idea that his struggle—he's not alone in this—and that he's coming on the, you know, on the shoulders of of people who fought this battle way before him. You just found yourself a mentor. Yeah. Yes, please. I don't know who I am. Yes, sixteen. Of course you don't. Do what you need to do. Be who you want to be.
0: Mom. Do yeah, you ever
1: wish I were just normal?
0: No, I'm normal anyway. Stop waiting
1: for permission to be you.
0: And for you, uh, the first time in drag and the first time singing, I believe. Is that right?
1: Yeah, And I had a brilliant singing teacher called Anne-Marie Speed and a dance teacher called Sean Miles who you know works with Kylie Malogue, who taught me to strut and walk and get around in heels and have all the sass and chutzpah to do that. Guy Common did an absolutely brilliant drag makeup, I thought. And Nadia Stacey, you know, created this Thatcher-like hairdo that made me six foot eight. And Guy Speranza did this, you know, double D see-through, but not quite see-through, you know, Gau's Brazier gear that I was got to trance around it, So it was an
0: amazing. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, we spoke to Stephen Fry recently. There's a lot of debate at the moment about gay actors and whether they should be playing gay characters. And I know you said in the past that you believe that gay actors should be playing gay characters. What changed your mind for, for this movie on that? Um,
1: that? That conversation was really to do with when Darren Chris won for playing Versace's assassin stroke lover in the Versace story. Um, he said that he would never play a gay character again and it was exactly the same time that I was on the awards circuit for Can You Ever Forgive Me where Melissa McCarthy and I were both playing gay characters and a lot of the conversation then was how can you justify it Um, so when I met Jonathan Buttrell the director of Jamie and I said why aren't you casting a gay actor or a drag artist to play this part he said you have sad eyes he said, the whole creative team on Jamie is gay and we have decided that you're the best person to play this part. And I said, well, you're, you're going to have to account and argue and justify why you've done that. Um, and he said, well, that's for me to make that decision. Um, and will you do it? So that's what I did. But it is, you know, the problem with it is you don't want to be insensitive or seem like you're you're taking an opportunity away from somebody else, but... Jonathan was very, very determined about this. And I thought, well, you know, it's, it's, I was in terror of doing it because I thought it's something that is so out of my comfort zone. And I'd never done drag before, never done a Sheffield accent. So all of those things made it frightening and also very attractive to do at the same time. Because by the time you've been doing it for four decades, like I have been, to get something that is literally fills you with sleepless nights in advance of doing it, that is a good thing to find at this, this point in your life. But I don't know, what, what do you feel about casting?
0: I I, I agree with you, and you know, you played, you played it very well. I mean, compared to James Corden in The Prom, which Stephen Fry also said was a bit gimmicky and misjudged, uh, I think you played this role very, very well. So oh, I, I, I thought you were great. Thank you. Uh, and thank you very much, uh, Richard E. Grant, for joining us on travelgay.com.
1: Thank you very much, Dan.
0: Baby I'm
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Legit. would you give a warm welcome? For
0: the soon to be legendary. Jamie New. Me? Sorry, miss. Just daydreaming. Pretty. I got something to show you. You gotta swear not to tell anyone. Tell anyone what? I want to be a drag queen.
1: Oh my days. You belong in the spotlight. So, why do you want to be a drag queen? Because it's all I ever dream of. And when I close my eyes, it's all I can see. You just found yourself a mentor. Yeah, yes, please.
0: Subscribe now to the Travelgate podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts.